0: Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. So today, we've got all of our kids with us. They don't want to come sit um, in the front. They probably don't want to be too near to me, but... We're going to do a family movie this is something that we do very regularly in the Ryder house we do it at least once a week and um so i'm hoping that as we're going to step into this that the kids are going to get a bit of a laugh and we as parents we're going to learn some things and um, in the past if you've been journeying with new spring church we've done a quite a few movies over the years we've done the incredibles we've done the incredibles 2 we've done mary poppins mary poppins 2 we've done despicable me christopher robin we've done moana we've done others and um, something about story is that we can always learn some things from them so today we're going to look at a family but it's kind of an odd family and um, you're going to see what i mean as we step into it and because this family is so different because this family is so odd this is a thing that's going to intrigue us today as a church so how about you look to the screen and we're going to look at our first clip for today from this particular movie
1: Once upon a time, on a beautiful country day, the birds weren't singing, the fish weren't jumping, and there was not a hopping rabbit to be found. For everyone was gathered to celebrate two very special people at what can only be described as a storybook wedding. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. Well, that was dumb.
0: <laughs> Welcome, friends. We are gathered here today to join B and Thomas <laughs> in holy matrimony.
1: You're taking this so well! He's a good man. Makes her happy.
0: And also a special day for their family. The beloved mm. rabbits.
1: Your former enemy is here to stay. we found common ground. He's about to be our guardian. Oh. Nah, this is just a little something between them. The old you would have gone absolutely bonkers berserk by now. I've changed, cousin. Welcoming a new parent. A loaded hand grenade just waiting to explode. Not anymore. A father, if you will. Father? <laughs> father you're not my father The ring! Right, right, where'd I put, did I, what's that, what's that? Hang on, I had it in the, ah! (laughs) It's always in the last place you look. You only have two pockets.
0: Beautiful, well you can um, see what my message prep was um, this week. Watching Peter Rabbit 2. Has anyone watched that movie by the way? No, you haven't watched that movie? <laughs> Peter Rabbit 2, pretty successful sequel, and I know that because I have young kids, um, so we um, we spend our time watching kids' movies. And um, it's the story of a family of animals living together in a beautiful, bountiful country garden which is full of vegetable delights. Peter obviously is the leader of the pack, and he's in front. And um, he has this rather innocent, childlike manner of always getting into trouble. And then there's Bea and Thomas. They're the um, humans in the picture. And Bea is loved by the animals because she is just lovely. And she genuinely loves the animals. And they love her. And then, of course, there's Thomas, who doesn't really love the animals but kind of puts up with them. um, Puts up with Peter and the others. And as you're walking and as you're watching this kind of movie, you might think, oh, Peter Rabbit, I know what that movie's about. That movie is about this mischievous little rabbit that always seems to get in trouble, and you'd actually be wrong. It seems like that's what the movie's about, but it's actually about something a little bit deeper. It's something about a word that keeps cropping up um, almost every 10 minutes or so, it crops up so, so often. And that word is family. It's actually a movie about family family which makes this really really interesting for us and very useful in actually talking about the gospel and talking about the church it's about a family albeit a really really unlikely family i mean it seems completely absurd to have a family with humans and a family with rabbits it's an absurd family it's an impossible family the characters seem to have nothing in common they're trying to live together and What I kind of think when I think of this family is, what could possibly go wrong with a family like this? Well, the reality is a lot of things go wrong as you go through the movie, and that's what makes this movie so entertaining and so funny at times. And you'd automatically think that the reason why so much seems to go wrong with this group of characters is because they're so different to each other. There's so much otherness when it comes to the characters in play, and you'd actually there seems to be the reason why there's so much conflict why there's so much drama why so many things go wrong but the reality is the reason why things go so wrong all of the time is not because of the otherless nature of the characters in the family the reason why things go wrong all the time in this movie is precisely because they are a family that's why that seems to be what happens when things come together when I was growing up, one of the great babysitters of the writers was a TV program called Sesame Street. everyone grew up with Sesame Street? One of the regular segments um, in Sesame Street, uh, which had a great little song and everything was, one of these things is not like the others. Do you remember that? You get all these things in a row and then there'd be this great little song to come up and say, one of these things is not like the others, one of these things doesn't belong. Can you tell me which is not like the others by the time I finish my song? And it was a regular segment. And I think the reason why it was a regular segment is, as, is because as humans, we love to actually sing that song. As humans, we love to play that game. We like to look out and we say, you know, that, that, that looks the same, that looks the same, that looks the same. Oh, that looks different. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't actually belong. We just naturally are a little bit like that. I remember when... Um, I, 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 I vividly remember one moment in Coles. One moment in calls and um the reason why i, re- I remember this because it, it was such an odd odd thing kayla had just been born all right kayla had just been born so andrew and i were in Coles pushing this pram and i remember like i don't even think i don't even think that you um saw this happen but i saw this happen so i was there like over there and, and there was this lady who was walking up this way and she looked at me, and she looked at Andrea, and she walked past that, and then she turned around, and she came over, and she peeped into the pram. Because obviously, I'm brown, Andrea's white, and she wanted to know what was in the pram, right? <laughs> and well, of course, what she saw was this beautiful, beautiful little girl with this thick, dark hair, beautiful skin, and these huge brown eyes. I don't know if you've realized, but Andrea and I are in an inter-racial, I- inter, uh, race Kind of marriage. I don't notice it. Do you notice it? Other people do. Um, it's intriguing to me. But people notice it because we love playing that game. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things do not belong. Um, humanity loves to play and sing the song because to be honest, we're kind of uncertain about otherness. If something is other to us, we're not too sure about it, and we see that on so many, different, um, so many different ways, other genders, other ages. Let me ask the seniors, how confident are you in talking to a teenager? There is a lot of otherness when it comes to a teenager. There is actually a legitimate phobia of teenagers, right? I don't blame you if I have a phobia, you know, but there's an otherness, isn't there? What about other cultures? You just like step into another culture and, and it intrigues you, but at the same time you're unsure about it. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what to do. Other cultures, there's an otherness to it. Other opinions, do you like sitting in a group where someone has another opinion to you? We don't really like that, do you? Do we? This other opinion, other traditions, other religions, other accents, do you love other accents? You know, it's like you're trying to like, what did you just say? other social classes have you ever been in like a party or in a gathering and someone's from a different social class right i don't think i don't know if this will be recorded i remember a couple of years ago i went to this pastor's uh meeting right i went to this pastor's meeting and it was actually supposed to be for um these pastors from like let's just say a different social class the different suburbs and um, so I'm over there, I've been invited in, I didn't like like gatecrash, I've been invited in and, and I'm walking around and saying, and I group like, go and, and, and talk to, um, um, to some people and they say, oh, where you are, you're you going to give me the pastor, rah, rah, rah. And uh, one of these old statesmen actually looked at me and says, oh, you're in the wrong place. And I thought to myself, wow, that's crazy. I thought I'm a pastor. That happens, like even with pastors. But there's an otherness even with social classes, depending where you live, the western suburbs, as opposed to the suburbs where predominantly a lot of us are from. Now you add some of this otherness into the mix, and sometimes we have a problem. Sometimes there's an all-out brawl. At times, you can be in a wedding ceremony and all hell literally breaks loose because there is an otherness that seems to have been added to the mix, and it seems Interesting to me that Christians seem to be no different with that as well. And this is the biggest irony for anyone who has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ or has any understanding of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and what that victory of Jesus actually means for you and I as we are here right now. Because otherness should be something that we anticipate and we embrace because it's precisely what the victory of Jesus Christ means for us. We're going to read first from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 18, and I'm going to read it from the NLT. The scripture will be up on the screen, but listen to Paul as he speaks to this um, collection of churches. He says this Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from christ you were excluded from citizenship among the people of israel and you did not know the covenant promises god had made to them you lived in this world without god and without hope but now you have been united with christ jesus once you were far away from god but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of christ for christ himself has brought peace to us he united jews and gentiles into one people When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his own death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were new now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us I love verse 18 all of us I love that word all all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us what is the church It is this vision, it is this picture, it is in the imagination of God that this otherness of people could somehow come together as one by the Holy Spirit and belong to each other. As we look around, as we look towards each other, as you look around this auditorium, we should not be seeing people who are just like us if we're going to sing this song one of these things is not like the other we should be singing down every single row because that is part of the victory of God that he has taken all of these different people have different opinions all these different people different traditions different cultures different languages different accents supporting different teams all these different things and bringing them together so to such a point that we belong to each other and we call each other brother and sister it is an incredible incredible vision that Jesus has christians fight about so many different things so you reckon we fight about doctrine we fight about religious freedoms we fight about our rights we are fighting about so many different things but if jesus and the victory of the cross actually enables this grand vision of family to come together why is it that the church of jesus christ does not fight for this we fight for everything else this person said this and i'm upset and rub why don't we fight for this if Jesus vision is to bring love and unity from people who are completely different to each other where there is a complete otherness and yet we're somehow fit what do you think the principalities and the powers of this present evil age are trying to do they are trying to rip apart that vision and ta-da, you have this cultural moment right now that's precisely what you have and the ripping apart and the divisions and the animosity and the pointing of the fingers and the anger and the rage which is happening comes from the principalities and the powers who are being very very effective in ripping apart the vision of Jesus Christ which is this vision that a group of people who are so other to each other that are so different to each other that at one time had hostility to each other come together in love and delight and call each other brothers and sisters that's what it is and I think that means that we need to actually do some really really serious thinking we as adults in the room we have to really consider the values of our world and how that impacts on the vision of Jesus how do the values of individualism how do the values of consumerism of uh, of autonomy of atomization of capitalism which has come and infiltrated the church how do those values affect us as we live as the church of Jesus christ because the reality is as you look at the church all over the world we are a group of people who shouldn't fit together we shouldn't one of these things is not like the other one we shouldn't fit but by the grace of god and by the holy spirit we fit and not only do we fit but we belong and things go wrong though not because of the otherness but because we are family. So what could possibly go wrong? Let's look at this um, second clip. I'm gonna go into point number two.
2: Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Because it's in your next book that we see huge potential.
1: Fantastic, fantastic,
2: fantastic, fantastic. I don't trust this guy. We've done some research on your book. Now, people liked the story and the setting, but what they really loved were the rabbits. So in the second book, we want to emphasize their individuality. Benjamin, the wise one. Cottontail, the firecracker. This guy is good. Flopsy and Mopsy, the dynamic duo.
1: Why are we always treated as a unit? But we do look good.
2: And then finally, Peter. What? I get one, this is crazy. We have two options for him.
1: I get two. The Mischief Maker, Hmm. or the Bad Seed. No, and he was doing so
2: well too. That one, that's the one, you've nailed it. What? It's our favorite too, really speaks to his character. No, it doesn't. The Bad Seed seems a little harsh, don't you think? Well, he is a bit of a brat, really. I mean, even according to your own book, he nearly broke you two up and destroyed his own family. He's a little mischievous, but he doesn't mean anything by it. Exactly. Thank you. I did catch him yesterday trying to steal one of my tomatoes.
1: No, no, no. I was actually making sure that no one stole your tomatoes.
2: I also imagine his voice to be quite annoying.
1: What? My voice isn't annoying, right?
2: I have something to show you. Here's how much we want to do this with you. <laughs> oh, my ears are
1: gigantic. Peter really looks like a villain. Well, every story needs one. I'm not a villain. That's not an accurate reflection of any of us. It's like I'm looking in a mirror. I love
2: it. What? I think it's terrific. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it must be so precious to see your family. <laughs> <Bad>. mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Off. I walk mm. this empty mm. on the, mm. 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 Where the mm. city sleeps mm. And i And mm. I walk alone mm. I walk alone I walk alone Of course you'd be singing that song I could sing something else if you like
2: Suit yourself
1: Sometimes I wish Someone out there will find me Till then. I walk
2: alone Hmm. What are you looking at, son? Never seen anyone steal something before. You some kind of goody-goody? I'm no goody-goody.
1: In fact, apparently, I'm bad. Yeah, I've made some mistakes, which is what I thought kids are supposed to do, right? Learn, grow, evolve. But I guess for this rabbit, the die is cast. And you know what? I don't care anymore.
2: Well, good for you, son. But if I can just suggest one thing. Next time you meet a grizzled old thief on the street, maybe don't open up so much. Sorry. No, I like it. It's just out here, not everyone's as emotionally evolved as I am. Ah. Name's Barnabas. Nice to meet you. Peter. Take a peach you said you weren't a goody goody no i'm no goody goody
1: i'm a baddie baddie
2: oh, no. come on I'm with you rats i hate when they call us rodents.
0: beautiful okay point number two identity comes from insiders not outsiders this is really 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 important if the family of god is a bunch of other people come together who shouldn't fit yet somehow we do fit identity is something that's going to be really important identity comes from insiders not outsiders i think one of the beautiful beautiful things about the creative arts is that the creative arts allows us to take a look at ourselves it takes us outside of ourselves and we can see how we possibly interact and how we possibly treat other people and in a two-minute um, section of a movie, um, this movie, Peter Rabbit, actually sets out a series of events that every person in this room will feel in their life over and over and over again. And the question that we're asking is, where does your identity come from? Because in this clip, Peter actually thought he knew who he was until a moment came when an outsider who was the publicist, who is Nigel, he actually thrust upon... Peter, an outsider thrust upon Peter, a brand new identity. That identity wasn't from the insiders, it didn't come from his family, it came from an outsider. And the identity was this, he's a mischief maker. He's the bad seed. He's a villain. He's a bit of a brat, right? Do you remember that scene, that clip? Yeah. That came from an outsider, not from an insider. And what's really, really intriguing with that, and you may think, Dave, why do you think this way? I think it's very, very intriguing that that identity started indoors and it's made its way outside into a public onto a huge billboard. Isn't it amazing how identity can start on the inside but gradually it will make its way to the outside. It starts inside a house but it will eventually make its way out into the public. But the question is, especially as parents, where is that identity coming from? Is that identity of our child or the identity of people in our particular family, New Spring Church, is our identity coming from outsiders or insiders? Because I would dare say if we are going to truly be the family of God, we need to work very, very hard that people who call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to work very, very hard that we as insiders, we as the family, we know the identity that we're supposed to have, and we are the ones who are affirming that identity. Otherwise, there will be other voices that will actually come and thrust upon um people their own identity the the, the understanding of identity this was a serious thing for Peter he never saw himself that way and the last straw was when B beautiful loving B the one that they all love the favorite B actually looked at that billboard and said you know what I love it and it's from that moment Peter turned away and they didn't even notice he turned away and being a 90s kid I really appreciate they use Green Days Boulevard of Broken Dreams that uh, took me back to my young. And um, Tim Inchon's over there, and he's singing, and he sings uh, into the bridge, and he says, Sometimes I wish someone out there would find me. Till then I walk alone. What a, what a profound song to sing. Sometimes I wish someone was out there to find me. Till then I walk alone. And the very next scene, he finds someone Barnabas. And then it's kind of unravels from there. Identity must be known and affirmed by insiders. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're an apprentice to Jesus, you call yourself my brother or my sister. Do you know the identity of us as the church? And will you affirm it? That's a big question, because if we don't do it, someone else is going to do it. There are a multitude of voices outside who are more than willing to tell us who we are. Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure, great pleasure. A couple of years ago, we went through Ephesians and we were talking about how this is a letter which is sent to a um, a gathering of churches. It's a circular letter. It's Paul's manifesto. He writes this at the end of his life. And, And if he's got one last kick of the can, one last thing to say, he is wanting every church to know this. But as we read through the documents of the New Testament, we need to understand that there's only a very few that are written to individuals. Most of the New Testament is written to the collective church. So what are we going to do as the church when we live in a culture of individualization? How are we going to combat that? Like even in our own minds, how are we going to do that when the world is actually putting forward this idea of identity? That this is who I am supposed to be. This is I, ide- this I kind of um, focus when it comes to identity. When as the church, it's not an I thing, it's a we thing. How do we, how do we change from the, 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 this is me, Dave Ryder, as to no, I'm actually part of the local church. This is us. That's a big thing. It means there has to be a commitment to being part of the us, isn't it? I think this is really big for parents, you know? Parenting, uh, hey, I'm a parent. I want to take this seriously, you know? I'm not a victim, I don't get, like all the stuff that's happened in my life, I'm not a victim, I'm a parent. I have two beautiful little image bearers that I have responsibility for. I want to take this very very seriously and I want to be a voice that counters this cultural this cultural moment which is literally trying to um, separate our children and our and ourselves and make us into smaller and smaller and smaller bits it means that I'm gonna have to be engaged with the conversations and the value system that is being given by this culture and I need to understand and be more um, knowledgeable Of the value system and the culture of the local church of the family of god i need to be committed to my family and not only that as a parent parents need to be committed to the family of god otherwise seriously fast forward two to five years if you can look back on the last five years how have things changed right now fast forward two to five years we better get into the game now because in five years' time, it's going to be a lot, a lot harder. So, this year, parents, I'm going to encourage you to make decisions that uphold family, to make decisions that uphold the family of God, especially when it's inconvenient and especially when it's not popular. You know, well, my kids don't want to come to church. Well, you're the parent. I never had that choice, you know? My mum and dad, they made us go to church. (laughs) So anyway, identity comes from insiders, not outsiders. That's what it should do anyway. Is that all right? Too bad I said it. Here's clip number four. Have a look at this.
2: Come on! Head to the petting zoo! We can blend in with those weird animals that don't talk! We'll take it from here.
1: All right, closing time.
2: Sure. Oi, what's all this then?
1: Where is everyone?
2: Don't get yourself caught too, son.
1: But if you did, just be a bigger share for us
2: anyway, innit?
1: Peter! Wait, wait, Peter! All right, let's go. No, no, stop! No, 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 wait, stop, stop! Wait! You set us up. We didn't not set you up, if you catch my smell.
2: Good ones, is. You really thought we were going to share all this with those yokels? We just needed bodies. Sweet, dumb, bumpkin' bodies that will follow you anywhere. Is this still part of the plan? Did Peter do this? He's not here, is he? Maybe he really is a bad seed. Dad was your best friend. And my best friend is the sugar plum fairy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. She's very hard to get to know. Closed off. She's Russian. You never knew my dad. Wouldn't be caught dead in some country garden, like he was.
1: Why did you do this?
2: No one wanted to adopt me anymore. I was too old. I was being replaced. Every kid in town wanted a young rabbit like the one in that book. So I tracked you down. I was just going to use you as bait for a few fake and takes, but then I saw how good you were, and I figured we could do something a lot bigger together. You lied to me. It's not hard to lie to someone who wants to believe. But one thing is dead true. We are a great team. That's why you're in this truck with us instead of in a cage with them. This is where you belong, Peter. We're your family now. No. My
1: family's in trouble. And it's all my fault.
0: Well as you can see, things do take a bit of a turn for Peter. This clip, um, this point I'm calling close to the action, close to the action. I think it's a point that we need to always keep in mind. This kind of scenario is um, almost cliche, isn't it? You see um, Peter taking the wrong turn and all of a sudden the implications aren't just for Peter but for his entire family. And um, it's a moment where Peter obviously realises he's been deceived and um, things really really start to unravel there's an interesting moment though in this scene which i think is quite pertinent for um, parents and especially as the church as things begin to unravel you actually find that thomas is actually there trying to sell his tomatoes Um, for some reason he's over there he actually is close enough to the action to see things unravel in front of his eyes this idea of family this idea of people who are so other to each other who come together to make one whole family what could possibly go wrong well in any and every family things will begin to unravel and things will go wrong there is no perfect family there is no perfect church there are no perfect Christians I hate to burst your bubble and the question which I have in some a posture which I have tried to have in my own life is that when things do unravel how close am I when things unravel when it comes to your children things will unravel at some stage with your family with your friends things will unravel at some stage are we going to be close enough that we can actually literally see it all unfold the big mess unfold right in front of our eyes I remember many conversations I've had over the years, many conversations with people in the life of our church, and um, many coffees and many conversations about things not going so well. And um, just the, 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 the constant, almost constant rhetoric from me is like, I'm just going to try to be close enough. Because even in the mess, I'm going to believe that God's still going to work something out. And if I'm positioned to be close enough in your life, or if you're close enough in my life and things start to unravel, I'm going to believe that God is still going to be working in that, and especially in the life of our children. I don't have any anticipation that our kids are going to be growing up and they're just going to live this seamless, perfect Christian life. I think there are going to be some things that are going to get in the way. I think there are going to be some roadblocks that come. I think there are going to be some things that sort of take people out a little bit, but I want to be close enough to that, in the good times and the bad times. One of the beautiful um, men of our church, um, early on when I was here, his name was Phil, uh, Phil Zintek. And um, he went through cancer and he went through his treatment and he came out. And, um, and um, after a couple of months the cancer came back and um, uh, in both cases I was doing hospital visits and sitting with him and I remember, um, I remember um, this really, really precious uh, conversation I had with him. It was such a poignant moment. And we were just sitting in a hospital room and we were talking and um, he just looks over to me and uh, obviously things are just out of control at this point. And he just looks over to me and he says, Dave, I've never died before. And I thought, what a profound, poignant kind of thing. And I said, you know, I feel I haven't either. But one thing I will try to do is I'm just going to try and stay close enough to you that's a real challenge for any family that's a real challenge for the family of God that we would actually stay close enough that when things do unravel we're not surprised but we actually are close enough um, to see it to be close, to let people know we're there but also by the grace of God to be used by him to actually see things come back together again Okay, now here is the fourth clip. I said the wrong clip, Kayla um, corrected me. Here is the last and final clip for this morning. How about you look at this?
1: Manchester, London, Inverness, the Alps, they're everywhere. Do you see the mess you've made? You're never going to learn. Because you never give me a chance. All you do is tell me how bad I am. Well then stop giving me reasons to. Wait, did you just talk? Ah no. Yes, maybe. Could be your imagination. Could be the radio. This is BBC7 playing all of the hits with none of the talk. Especially not Peter, because rabbits can't talk. Oh, look, the fuel gauge is empty. (sighs) (laughs) I know I'm not perfect. But I can't do anything right by you. No matter what I do, you always assume the worst. You've got your entire family taken, Peter. If that's oh. not the worst, what is? Why are you even helping me? I don't know. I just saw you and the others were in trouble, and <sighs> I, I came. <sighs> it's not a choice. I don't think I'm actually propelling this thing in any real way. I'm sorry I wrecked your tomatoes. That wasn't supposed to happen. Then what was supposed to happen? I met someone who made me feel like not everything I did was wrong. Who actually accepted me. But it was all a lie. You just used me. I'm so stupid. You're not stupid. You're young. So you make mistakes. A lot of mistakes. It's the one thing I'm really good at. I know I'm too hard on you sometimes. I lost my father when I was very young too, so I... Never really learned how to be one. To me? Yeah. Yeah. To you. And to the others. That's why I'm here, I suppose. It's what a dad does. I didn't think I'd ever have a dad again. I didn't realize I already was one. You're not the bad seed, Peter. I shouldn't have let them call you that. And I shouldn't have believed it. I know now that no-one can tell me who I am. <laughs> I think there's someone we both love who needs to hear that too. About me talking. It's probably your imagination. And you might also want to imagine that your truck isn't rolling down the hill. No! Stop this truck! Please stop this truck! No! 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 oh no
2: beautiful
0: last point where are all of our parents where have the parents gone beautiful scene um and i think it's something that um could possibly linger with us for a while Thomas and Peter, they're sitting on the curb, and Peter says, I'm so stupid. Thomas replies, you're not stupid. You're just young. So you make mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Have you noticed how young people tend to make a lot of mistakes? They don't make mistakes because they're stupid. They make mistakes because they're young. And because they're young, there's a need for parents to be around for parents to be accessible, for parents to be close enough, for parents to actually give wisdom, to step into situations, especially when things start to unravel and to bring things together. And that's not just the case in our own particular families. There's obviously a need for parents there, but in the broader church, the Church of Jesus Christ, there is a huge need for parents because in our church, New Spring Church, we have a lot of young people who aren't stupid but they do make mistakes because they're young and in light of that the question has to be put out there do we have any parents who are willing to step in to be close enough and to actually be um that, that wisdom and that voice speaking into their lives titus 2 verse 1 to wait paul speaking and he says to titus as for you titus promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching i think it's really important for us especially for us who consider ourselves to be more mature that our life is actually a reflection of the wholesome teaching that we've been learning that we've been hearing i don't think new spring church um, has a problem with actually having good wholesome teaching there might be a reflection issue but i don't think there's a teaching issue we're going to get better at the teaching obviously but titus is uh, said from paul he says to promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching from verse 2. teach the older men to exercise self-control to be worthy of respect and to live wisely they must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience similarly teach the older women to live in a way that honors god They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands, and they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage young men to live wisely, and you yourselves must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. That everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Tell the truth so that your teaching can't be criticised. Then those who oppose us will be uh, will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Twenty twenty one has come and twenty twenty one has gone. I'm sure all of us can look back on twenty twenty one and say, you know what? There's a little bit of living that was pretty good but then there's some living that oh, I reckon I'd love a redo with some of that living because it didn't necessarily reflect the teaching of the gospel well 2022 is here as a brand new year and the question is what kind of living are we going to be reflecting this year as New Spring Church the Church of Jesus Christ the church family New Spring Church we are supposed to have spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers literally everywhere everywhere. It should be a case that everywhere that we look everywhere that I look, I'm so oh, there's a dad, there's a mom, there's a mom, there's a dad, there's a dad, there's a mom, there's a mom, there's a dad, there's a mom, there's a mom, there's a dad. The family of God everywhere that we look, we should be seeing spiritual parents, mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers. And the reality is, in New Spring Church, we do have spiritual mothers and we do have spiritual fathers and we do have spiritual grandparents and we do have spiritual grandmothers. I think that we have spiritual parents all over the place. We have wisdom all over the place. We, we, we have love and grace and compassion all over the place, which brings us back to the previous point. Are we close enough? Are we close enough? Because I think there's enough spiritual parents around, I think the question for us is going to be, are we close enough, especially when we think about the value system of this age, the value system which is about individualization, the value system which is about segregation, the value system which is about atomization to make us smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, as the world is trying to segregate the world into smaller and smaller pieces, the church of Jesus Christ should be bringing those pieces together to making us bigger and bigger and bigger and making us a big whole because. We do have spiritual parents in the place, but we also have young ones, and they're not stupid, they just make a lot of mistakes. This year, as we're stepping into this year, I can let you know that um, we have a lot of teenagers, and a lot of young adults, and a lot of children in our church. Over the last 18 months, I think we've had like between seven and ten marriages which have happened in the life of our church. This coming year, we've got more marriages which are gonna be happening. We've got um, young adults which are dating and all that. Guess what? All these young marrieds, they're gonna need older couples to actually come alongside and bring wisdom into their life. I remember like 14 and a half years ago when Andrew and I got married, we said, I do, at the altar. And it was an amazing moment. It was the most expensive day of our life, right? (laughs) We were at the front of the altar and we said, I do. Andrew said, I do. We had no idea what we just did. We say these words, I do, not knowing anything about it. We have no idea. And that is where the wisdom of older generations has to come close. Because we've got these young ones and they're married and they have no idea what they just did. So us older ones need to come alongside and say, You know, when you said I do, this is what it means. You know? You know, hey, you know how things are getting a little bit hard in your marriage right now? Yeah, let's actually get back to your reference point where you said, oh, "I do okay, now let's start to walk this out." What does it mean to walk this out? That's what I mean. That's what I mean. We are supposed to be mirrors that reflect good, sound teaching. If you think about it, mirrors are only useful when they are positioned in the appropriate places, aren't they? When I wake up in the morning, I can go to the bathroom and that's an appropriate place for a mirror. I go into a house, it's an appropriate place for a mirror. It would be a really inappropriate place for me when I sit in in a car and I look at the windscreen and instead of a windscreen, there's a mirror. That's an inappropriate place, right? There are inappropriate places for mirrors, but there are also appropriate places for mirrors. And in the church, in New Spring Church, there should be mirrors all over the place. There should be spiritual moms and spiritual dads who are mirrors, who are reflecting, who are living out good, godly um, lifestyle, living out the word of God. Their allegiance to Jesus Christ is absolutely clear, absolutely clear. And we are close enough that we provide wisdom and understanding and love and compassion to the younger ones. And especially when things start to unravel in their life, because things will, we're close enough to see it unravel, but then to step in and to actually bring things together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? So this movie is all about family. It's all about a family that shouldn't fit together, but they do. It's about a family where things go extraordinarily wrong. It's a family about a dad who didn't understand he was a dad and he's coming to terms to being a dad and he makes a decision on a curb to actually step in and to be a dad. He was a dad before that, but it took that incident, it took that situation for him to make the decision to be a dad. It's a story about this family coming together a family that shouldn't be together an idea which is completely outrageous an idea which is completely absurd yet by the end of the movie it completely works and is that not the gospel of Jesus Christ that this is a story that seems so impossible this is a story that seems so absurd how in the world can you get this group and this group and that culture and that tradition how can you bring all of this together to make one people well that is what the victory of Jesus Christ does and that is the vision of the church of jesus christ and if we're going to fight for anything this year let's not be fighting over the things that the world's fighting about because there's enough voices doing that let's fight for the vision of jesus christ that we are brothers and sisters who belong to each other we are close enough to each other and we're going to step into our responsibility to be spiritual dads and spiritual mums in the house of god is that okay amen let me pray for you and um, we can go and enjoy this beautiful beautiful